It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back into our discussion, midweek edition, Ernie Eves, the former premier and finance minister, and Peggy Nash, the former NDP MP for Parkdale High Park. So, Ernie, when you were the premier and uh, New Year's would roll along, I mean, did you have any legislation on the books that, you know, uh, kind of changed the landscape? Anything profound that we need to know about? I can't seem to recall off the top of my head. No, I don't think it was particularly on New Year's Eve. No, well, I, I, you know, because the New Year tends to bring these things in. It's one of those sort of, uh, you know, the landmark occasion that new laws kick well, in. Well, you always have a message, I guess, at the end of the, the previous session or year as to what you feel you've accomplished and where you want to go in the next year. That's fair game. Well, okay, but the province, you know, uh, they've introduced stricter driving and impairment laws and distraction laws. I mean, uh, you get caught uh, distracted while driving with a handheld device. You can be fined up to $1,000 you lose your license for three days, three demerit points. A second offense will get you $2,000 uh, and six demerit points and a seven-day driver's license suspension. And uh, if you have more than two convictions within a five-year period, that's a fine of up to $3,000, six demerit points, a 30-day suspension. Meantime, I'm kind of curious about this because if you've got a blood alcohol concentration higher than 0.05 uh, following, failing a roadside sobriety test... Uh, the fine has increased to $250 for the first offense. So distracted driving, I guess, with a handheld device is considered to be a more egregious thing than uh, having some beyond the alcohol limit. Does My make... kids were right, you know, oh, so. because, well, I, I was an early adopter for the BlackBerry, and I, you know, would... would a message would come in and I'd be kind of half looking at my phone, half driving. It's really dangerous to take your eyes off the road. And it used to drive my family crazy. Yeah. So, you know, they were right. And I have stopped doing that. Um, is it more dangerous than driving if you're you're beyond the acceptable uh, blood alcohol level? I, I guess it depends by how much, you know. Yeah, well. and, uh, if if you're able to still drive, but legally you're impaired, I guess maybe it's not as bad. But that is an interesting societal message that we see uh, texting and driving as that much more serious well, than drinking uh, and driving. What do you it's make kind then? Of surprising. Yeah, that's a very good point. But the impaired driving laws and the blowing over are federal laws. And this is a provincial law, as I understand, right. the texting. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference. So maybe they should talk to each other. Well, it's possible then that the feds will say, uh, let's just uh, up the penalties for driving over the limit. And in Ontario, they changed it. Dalton McGinney changed it because uh, 0 0.08 is the level of impairment. That's right. the gauge or barometer. But 0 0.05 uh, gets you uh, a suspension of your vehicle. They take the car away for three days. Well, how does that happen, that the guy can arbitrarily decide 0 0.05 is appropriate? Well, that's a good question. I mean, how do you decide any of these things? Like, how do we get to 0 0.08? I mean, I gather there must be some scientific knowledge behind that. Well, Dalton's but, but no all scientist. People, but all people, <laughs> well, <laughs> your comment, not mine. <laughs> they, uh, you know, 
it depends on the size of the person, their capacity to drink, how much they've had to eat. I mean, there's all kinds of factors that go into this, their metabolism. Um, So I don't know how you can have an, I guess you have to have a rule. You have to have a line somewhere that you want to draw if you're going to have impaired driving legislation. You know what? I I tell you, this is the, uh, I guess it's either irony or whatever you want to call it. But uh, when I'm driving along the Gardner, for example, you get these LED display signs that say, uh, don't get distracted while driving. But I'm looking at the sign. That, <laughs> and you're distracted. Yeah, absolutely. Driving. It has no point or purpose to remind me that I don't need to be distracted. The it's Gardner's just... the worst. All the advertising along there. Sure. Like if you stop to read that advertising, you'd kill yourself driving. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's right in your hood there, Parkdale yeah. High Park, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. I wonder about it. Now, the other thing that they've actually introduced amongst the myriad uh, new laws or uh, tweaking of the laws, uh, hunters and fishers can expect streamlined licensing with the creation of a single outdoors card for fishing and hunting licenses. And the document would list all licenses a client has purchased. In other words, you don't have two separate ones, so you don't have to, you know, unravel a billfold with this this license, that, and the other. I mean, and typically, as uh, many would, if you're hunting and fishing out of season, what the, what difference does it make? <laughs> None. What, you, well, no, but if you're caught fishing out of season in this province, uh, you've got some serious penalties you face. The people who are the enforcement officers can actually take your boat, your trailer, your car. Uh, they got more power than the cops, don't they, Ernie? Yes, they do. I mean, th- th- that's the... I'm not saying this shouldn't happen, but that's the ironic part of this. I mean, you can drive down the highway impaired... And uh, you don't have as stiff a penalty as you do hunting and fishing at a season. Well, yeah. seems kind of odd to me. Well, but well, well, you were there in the seat of power. You could have addressed that. Or does that make sense to you? I mean, it makes sense. I, like- I, I think it makes sense to have one card to streamline the system. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it makes abundant sense. Uh, I know Chris Hodson years ago, when he was the minister uh, for a while in natural resources, uh, he passed a, a law or regulation, we passed a law or regulation, all the monies raised from that had to go back into, you know, creating a, a proper environment, a hunting and a fishing case, stocking. So all that money stayed in that pool and didn't go into the general revenue fund. And we could do that with a lot of different things. Uh, the argument against that, of course, is that the sort of ties government hands because you have all these pools of money directed to different things. You don't have any latitude to deal with an emergency in one particular area. What about the spring bear hunt? You guys were embroiled in that as well, your buddy Snowblin, right? Uh, is there a spring bear hunt now? What's the deal on that? I don't know if it's been reinstated or not. Uh, the Harris government obviously ended the spring bear hunt. Uh, a lot of pressure was brought to bear on, on us at that particular time, and on Mike Harris in particular. I think he probably made the right decision. Um but we certainly heard from a lot of people in hunt camps that, you know, made money out of the spring bear hunt. But I just don't think you should be out there shooting animals well in the season when they're having their young. Uh, well, okay. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but what the hell do I know? Well, you're living up north. Uh, you were there <laughs> representing on Perry Sound, which is ground zero for a lot of the black bear population in the province. Well, yes, uh, further north in the riding and also uh, in the Mattawa area was a big thing. Yes, it was. Uh, Again, with Ernie Eves and Peggy Nash. Let me get uh, to some other matters here that have to do with the province. Now, we've got this uh, January 1 is when 
Justin Trudeau said, we're imposing a carbon tax on any province that uh, isn't going along and doing something compatible with our aspirations. Well, Ontario's decided to pull out of it, as you know, Doug Ford, and they're even going to contest it at court, uh, and along with Scott Moe out in Saskatchewan. But to me, uh, the issue really revolves around who has the purview uh, when it comes to putting in a carbon tax or eliminating a carbon tax, making it a carbon tax-free jurisdiction. Is it the provinces or the feds, according to you, Peggy Nash? (laughs) Well, I think the court is going to decide that. Um, I know, but you're the court of public opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in my court of public public opinion, I would say it's probably a shared jurisdiction, similar to something like Medicare, where the government can set rules and the provinces implement them. Right. And if the provinces want to opt out, as Doug Ford's obviously chosen to do, is that not his prerogative? Well, I mean, in Quebec, they took uh, an issue to the, they used the notwithstanding clause to opt out of a provision of Medicare. I guess he could test the system with that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it probably is a shared jurisdiction. Is a carbon tax the best way to go? I don't know. I'm not an expert on it. But one thing I do know is uh, everyone seems to recognize that Canada is going to be very far from meeting the climate targets that it agreed to. Everybody is. Uh, well, no, I think uh, many countries, uh, especially European countries, are getting very close to where they need to. Peggy, we're such a... A huge country emissions. geographically. We're a, a Nordic country. We got to fuel our trucks and our trains and cars, and you know, uh, vast expanses that have to be traversed just to get your kids to a hockey tournament in Brandon, Manitoba. Am I right, Ernie? I mean, That's true. so how the hell do we sit here and curb that kind of thing? We're going to have to really uh, downsize our whole standard of living. Well, you know, we can have that debate. I think that uh, I don't think anybody's rushing to uh, downsize their standard of living. What I think most people agree is that we could do a whole lot better with our building codes to make our buildings more energy efficient, that create a lot of jobs, a lot of Canadian companies build the kind of um, uh, windows and insulation, cladding, roofing, et cetera, that we need to make more energy efficient buildings. Should this all be government subsidized stuff? Or would, um, a, would a free market make that call and say, hey, there's uh, money to be made? Well, there is ma- money to be made, and there are well, companies that are doing it. And I think, you know, what the government can do, and, and I think, again, this is shared jurisdiction, is create building codes that say we are going to, just like um, cars have uh, every, you know, progressively uh, reduced emissions standards, we could have progressively reduced um, emission standards or, or um, better efficiency standards for our buildings. And we can also actually, you know, Justin Trudeau campaigned in the last federal election on these massive infrastructure investments. We're still Which waiting for nowhere. many of those nowhere. infrastructure investments to come to life. And uh, what was that, you know, 180 billion, 180 billion and, over 10 years? You know, it's Bumpkiss. unclear where that money is going, but I, I think that if you talk to people in major urban areas and uh, what they would like to see is better transit. They'd like to see more subways, more LRTs, and so that people wouldn't have to get jammed on the Gardner Okay, Expressway well, we digressed here. Advertising. Uh, okay, let me get back to it, Ernie, very quickly. The uh, core question again, is this something that the province has jurisdiction over, or do you think the feds do? Well, that's a constitutional argument, just like when 
income tax first came in, there was a huge debate at that point in time about whether the federal government had exclusive jurisdiction over income tax and whether the provinces got to share in it, and eventually they did decide to share that. But this, what the Trudeau government is doing, though, is they are picking and choosing. They're not saying we're implementing a carbon tax on everybody Canada-wide. I think they may have a better chance of succeeding in court on that. They're saying, if you don't do what we consider to be a viable alternative, we're imposing a carbon tax on you. I don't think that has as good a chance of succeeding in a court of law as saying we're implementing a carbon tax across the country, period. Or I'm wondering if they said, here's the standard of emissions we need to get to, and each province can figure out how it's going to get there, uh, and here's what we're going to do federally in the federal jurisdiction, but leave it like leave some flexibility to the provinces to decide how they're going to achieve. Having said that, I think people. This all sounds great in theory. I heard a poll the other day saying, "Well, sixty some percent of Canadians are in favor of some sort of carbon reduction." Well, yes. But if you ask the question a different way, if you say, do you realize that if the federal government introduces a carbon tax, the price of gasoline is going to go up 20 cents a liter or 10 cents a liter, whatever it is, I don't think you'd get 60-some percent agreeing to that. In in abstract, it sounds great. Yes, we want to be warm and fuzzy about the environment. But the reality is when you impose taxes, they're just going to be passed on from the manufacturer or the producer of oil products, petroleum products, onto the consumer, and the consumer is going to pay. I think you'd be better off, quite frankly, looking at some incentivizing of companies, whether they be the manufacturers, companies that pollute, whether it's through manufacturing or whatever it is, uh, trying to give them tax breaks and benefits uh, if they reduce emissions. I think that's the, you know, this cap and trade thing, as I've said, was a non-starter from the word go. So you buy... Indulgences. You buy buy credits from some company in California Mm. so you can pollute more in Sudbury, Ontario. How the hell does that make any sense? And what good does that do for the environment? All it's great for is the little market that the cap and trade system set up. It benefits nobody. It does absolutely nothing to reduce pollution. Well, it assuages some consciences, and uh, that's about it. Let's come back. Uh, Still more to discuss with Ernie Eves and Peggy Nash here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio. Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.